Good morning. We'll start with Ephesians 2, 21 through 22, page 1134 in your pew Bibles. In Christ, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Chapter 4, 15 and 16. Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. patience and being patient in our relationship with God and others and in our lives, seeing slowness as a part of our life and our faith. That's what we've been talking about. In the year 1248, construction of a massive cathedral in the German city of Cologne got underway. It was to be uh, the main place of worship for the Holy Roman Emperors. Um, it was to be a trophy for all the world to see. Frederick II was the reigning emperor at that time when the ground was broken, and he knew that he would not live to see the completion of the cathedral in Cologne. Consistent building went on until 1473, over 200 years, and it stopped. And uh, during the 16th century, it, nothing happened. And then it started again. And the Cologne Cathedral was completed in the year 1880. 632 years after it began. The cathedral dominates the city of Cologne to this day. It is meticulous in its design. It is massive. In its grandeur, it is said that even with modern engineering today, that the structure could not be duplicated. It's one of a kind. Its design and completion depended on the patient work of countless individuals over hundreds of years who knew they would never see the completion of that cathedral. Yet each person invested themselves in the slow, slow, slow work of building that place of worship. 
a world that's going faster and faster, the church can look so slow. Churches have tried to keep pace. We've tried to keep pace with the latest technology and make sure we have a brand and make our worship places into coffee houses and have athletic programs and make sure worship services are entertaining because after all, that's what everybody else is doing. The thing is, there are people who do technology and branding and coffee and athletics and technology much better than the church does. And you know, Jesus never said he expected us to do any of those things that I can find. Now, I'm not saying we should stay in the Middle Ages. Don't get me wrong. I think moving from typewriters to computers was the right thing. Uh, we, we don't use a mimeograph machine anymore here. I think that was the right thing to go to copiers. I think guitars and, and pianos and drums enhance the praise of God. But if we do nothing more as the church of Jesus Christ than just show, try to show the world that we're just like the world and we try to live at the world's pace, we might be missing the pace that our Lord wants us to live at. I do not mean the slowness of the church in a negative way because there are times the church has been slow to respond to certain issues in our world, certain situations in our world when we should have been at the forefront. And there have been times when the church has been slow to recognize ways that we need to change and that we need to grow. By the way, one of the wonders and the beauties of our gospel is that we have the means of self-correction within our gospel when the church gets off track, as we have done, as we do, we have things like repentance and discipline and mercy and grace and forgiveness and prayer and humility and patience to get us back on track. And there is no other organization, if you would, in the world that has all that. Self-correction. By the slowness of the church, this is what I mean. I mean that the people of Jesus Christ don't always need to speed to the next thing, whether it be the latest in cultural significance or social relevance or technological advancement, because the things that the church of Jesus Christ are about are not always the things that come fast. We need to move at the pace of grace in deference to the larger commands of our God. And there is a lot more on God's agenda than just speed and keeping up. One of the big ways churches become impatient is desire for growth. And by growth, when we speak of growth, we're usually talking about more people and more buildings and more resources. And as the world around us has equated growth with uh, bigness, and they've equated bigness with quality, because if it's big, it must be good. In Ephesians, Paul writes about, he writes about church growth. And he writes of the church being like a building, joined together, rising, it says, to become a holy temple in the Lord. And when it says the church is to grow and build itself up, don't we even subtly think, even subtly, we kind of think, oh, yeah, bigger, better. 
Yet read, read deeply into Ephesians, and we'll find nothing about physical signs. In fact, read the entire New Testament. It says practically nothing about the size of churches. We never read, get as many people as you can as fast as you can. We never read, uh, the word relevant doesn't even appear. Nothing even close to it. Uh, but our scriptures do give us a ton. You will read a ton about things like life in Jesus Christ, about knowing him, about worship, about humility, about grace and prayer and unity and faithful witness to Christ and servanthood, among other things. Well, you read a ton about that. You see, in our desire to move fast and move faster and become bigger and do it faster, the church has become impatient. And becoming, in becoming impatient, we make forsaking the very things that we are called to be and that we are called to do. I, as a pastor, am guilty of that as much as anybody. I've caught myself. Almost no one has a bigger church in this land of ours than Rick Warren. You know who he is? He's a pastor at Saddleback Church in Lake Forest, California. Founding pastor. Their weekly attendance is 20,000 people. They're the seventh largest church in the United States. I was pleasantly surprised by something Rick Warren said. He said, one thing that I'm personally opposed to are these published lists of the fastest growing churches. They re reinforce short-term thinking. But strength, not speed, is what matters. No one cares how long it took Michelangelo to paint the Sistine Chapel. What matters is its lasting beauty. Fast-growing churches don't impress me. I could teach you a dozen ways to attract a crowd fast, but a crowd is not a church. What impresses me are the number of disciples in group fellowship, active with the spiritual habits, serving in ministry, and being sent out on mission. You judge the strength of a church not by its seating capacity, but by its sending capacity. What do you think? Most churches, you know, in our nation and in our world are not in the tens of thousands. The average size of a church, at least in this nation, is between 100 and 200 people. It's the average size. And there's a ton of them. What I like about what Pastor Warren said is his emphasis on strength over speed. Uh, that a crowd is not necessarily a church. That's not to denigrate size. There are churches that God intends to be 20,000. There are churches that God intends to be 20 with everything in between. And my point here really isn't a rant against or for church size at all. It is our obsession with size or with any other number of things that can deform the true purpose of a church. It isn't the size of a church. It's the shape of a church that matters. And in Ephesians, Paul says that the first mark of a church is how it measures with the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the cornerstone, and in the ancient world, the cornerstone was that first part of a building that was set down, and that cornerstone determined the lay and the size of the rest of that building, the cornerstone. Paul writes, the measure of a church is whether or not the spirit is in that place. It is whether the truth is spoken in love. 
but that the people are mature in faith. And if each ligament, which is Paul's metaphor for people, whether each ligament is holding one another up, each doing its part with love. The building that Paul stresses is a building of love shaped by the Lord Jesus Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And I suspect if churches were probably more concerned with growth in love than growth in attendance, I'll bet our effect and influence in the world would be even greater. Paul has this absolutely beautiful prayer for this church in the third chapter in Ephesians. It is for those people to be strengthened in the very depths of their being through God's Spirit. He prays that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith and that they would be rooted and established in love and come to know the love of Christ that surpasses, surpasses knowledge. Surpasses knowledge. Sounds like a bottomless well. And finally, he prays that church would be filled with the fullness of God. That should be all of our prayer for our churches, for our lives. And you know what? Like that cathedral in Cologne, those things take a long time. A church is measured by discipleship and spiritual habits and serving and sending and love, and those tend to be very slow things. They don't happen overnight. Christ to dwell in my heart and for me to know the width and the height and the depth and the length of that still happening for me. The Spirit's going to dwell in me in strength and I will be rooted and established in Christ and in His love as I nurture my life in the Scripture as I pray, as I worship with all of you, as I learn to love and forgive in relationships, as I go through the valleys and trust in those times and practice thanksgiving in the victories, as I remain faithful in the in-between time, that's how it's going to be formed in me and in you. And that kind of formation takes a long time. It's a slow process. Perhaps you've heard of the slow food movement. If you haven't, you can probably figure it out. It's the opposite of the fast food movement. And what some people say is the McDonaldization of America. As opposed to agriculture that tends to mass produce by uh, forcing growth from the top down by spraying whatever will make plants grow and look impressive and as quickly and as easily as possible. Agriculture in a slow food movement works from the bottom up. Tends to the soil, because with slow food, the health of the soil is the top priority. It's the soil that holds the plant. Think about it. It's the soil that gives nutrients to the plant and provides what is needed for good and right fruit to come in its proper time, not forced, in its proper time. You have to have patience to wait for fruit to come naturally. And the slow food movement uh, emphasizes quality over quantity and speed and efficiency, okay? From this has called something called slow church, an idea called slow church. Chris Smith and 
John Patterson write about it in a book called Slow Church, Cultivating Community in the Patient Way of Jesus. And they affirm it isn't just what we do in our churches, it is how we do it. The church can be slow because we are making and we're growing disciples. As, as Rick Warren pointed out, it's not just about attendance and numbers. It's about who's reading the word throughout the week. How many people are coming when there's a gathering for prayer? How many people are being sent by that church to serve? How is the teaching and the influencing and mentoring of young lives happening? How are people living in their specific walks of life Monday through Saturday? You know, becoming a disciple is a lifelong walk. We need to be attentive to the things that really matter. We need to pay attention, of course, to budgets and programs and buildings, but so much of what we're about takes place in the soul, in our hearts, in the community of relationships, and that can't be efficiently or easily managed or controlled. The church today probably doesn't need more conferences, Probably doesn't need more programs. Probably doesn't need more celebrities. We need more churches where the Spirit is immersing sinners into Christ day by day. A living communion of the saints where we cannot simply jump to our next favorite chapter or Google our next momentary interest. Chasing the next big thing, it becomes exhausting because once you've done the big thing, then you feel forced to try to repeat that next big thing again. And if we're constantly reinventing, and we're constantly trying to shock, and we're constantly trying to bring a revolution, we'll become impatient when the results aren't immediately. And continuity is no longer seen as a positive. Sometimes we have to, as, as Wendell Berry said, sometimes we just have to put our faith in the two inches of dirt that will build under the trees every thousand years. Think about that. Again, redwood trees don't become redwood trees overnight. They don't become redwood trees in a year, even five years. It's slow. And you know, the longer I pastor, the more grateful I am for people who have just planted themselves and given themselves to ministries for many many, many years, and they've just stuck with it, and they're patient enough to see the results over a long period of time. Churches are laboratories for patience. Good old Tertullian, the early church father, he preached about patience, and he said, patience fortifies faith. It's the pilot of peace. It assists charity, establishes humility, waits long for repentance, sets her seal on confession, rules the flesh, preserves the spirit, bridles the tongue, restrains the hand, tramples temptations underfoot, drives away scandal, consoles the poor, teaches the rich moderation, overstrains not the weak, exhausts not the strong. It is the delight of the believer. And throughout the New Testament, the church is pictured as a body that is joined together, held together by each part. And we are those parts. And you know what? If we're connected, that means we will have to wait for one another a 
And that sometimes takes patience, doesn't it? A deep, sustainable Christian life of substance doesn't come all at once. It comes over a long period of intentionally seeking Christ through ups and downs, through light and dark, through that daily discipleship with one another, walking with that troubled teen or with that hurting couple or walking with that questioning new person or being with that flaky member or hanging with that cranky pastor for as long as it takes God's Spirit to work upon them and upon us. And Paul gives no instructions for new buildings or balanced budgets or a better website, but he does say this. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And there are no sprints to this. And there are no YouTube videos that you can look at and get the love of Christ deep into your heart in just a few moments. And Jesus' Jesus' teachings are not TED Talks. And growing in a life of humility and obedience and holiness doesn't come with one trip down to the rescue mission. And prayer isn't going to be learned by just reading a book. There are no quick fixes. Being the people Christ wants us to be comes by that slow, day by day, week by week, year by year, decade by decade, experience by experience, failure by failure, victory by victory, life. Church, We are on a pilgrimage, and it is long. Like Abraham and the Hebrew people and the exiles and those earliest believers, we are just traveling through a world to our home with the Lord. Before us are the bread and the cup of our Lord. And Paul said, whenever we break this bread and whenever we drink this cup, We proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. This is a table of patience. Because the church has been waiting for the Lord to come again for 2,000 years. I know as I come to this table, I'm made aware of the slow building process in my life as a disciple. As I come to this table, I remember what I believe, who I belong to, what my faith is about. I remember again the faith that I hold fast to and the journey that I am on with this bread and this cup. This is not spiritual fast food. This is for those who are worshiping and giving their lives to Jesus Christ over the long haul. Until he comes again, or until we take our last breath. Let's pray. Let's prepare ourselves to break the bread and share the cup together. Heavenly Father, blessed and holy is your name. And we admit that we are weaker and more sinful than we would ever dare to admit but through Christ we are more loved and accepted than we ever dare to hope. 
At this table, we say thank you for paying our debt on the cross and taking what we deserved in order to give us complete forgiveness. Lord, today, we pray for Karen Krenz for her surgery tomorrow on her knee. And we pray continued healing for Debbie Penny. We pray for Jackie Longmore's brother Ron as he has his third surgery for cancer in his kidney. We pray for the Richardson family in the struggles and the loss of this week that they've experienced. We pray for Mariko Hanabusa and, and George after their home was burglarized this week and for all that they lost and ask that you would restore and redeem. Lord, we have so far to go to understand the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of your love. So we pray for your Holy Spirit to come upon us and to come upon this bread, this juice, and this wine so that this communion will open our hearts to you and to one another. Build up and bless your church in all places with unity and give us patience. Deliver us from trying to keep in step with a world that is moving too fast for its own good. And give us the humility and grace to live in your time and in your way. And now we leave a time of silence for each of us to speak to God whatever prayer is on your heart as you prepare to receive the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. thank you and we praise you and we honor you in the strong and certain name of the Lord Jesus Christ.